Hello and welcome to a bizarre discussion of killer robots, Battlestar Galactica and various pandemic issues. Uh, if we don't get to all of that, we apologise because this is also the fastest growing conservative, evangelical, charismatic Anglican podcast in the entire Fox Chapel area, even in parts of O'Hara as well, I'm, I'm led to believe, uh, and Russia. So welcome if you're joining us. Our passage today is from John 20, verse 24. I'm joined as ever by the redoubtable curate, Ben Wolfe. Hello. Hello, redoubtable. And and some that woman that he's sitting too close to as well, Steph Wolfe. Hello. Hello. I think this is allowed. I live with her. So that's okay. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I am really, really pleased that you've joined us. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. If you hear a screech or a crash, there are some children nearby. And that's all part of this corona life. Our passage, please, if you would not mind, madam. This uh, is in John chapter 20, starting with verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thank you. So uh, we're speaking to you on Wednesday. This is the passage coming up. So uh, we're a few days ahead as we record these things. I've not yet started preparing this sermon. So this is quite helpful for me. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Happy to do the heavy lifting for you. Uh, <clears throat> what strikes us from this passage? I'm struck by, I mean, Thomas has this reputation as doubting. Yeah, uh, Doubting Thomas is the name he's been known by for 2,000 years. Uh, I'm struck every time I read this by the lack of doubt in, in this that I see. It should be like, called reserved judgment, Thomas. Yeah, or, or uh, steadfastly uh, um, needing proof uh, and with his own eyes. Yeah. And yeah. He's, a, he's a pragmatic guy. He needs to see it. He needs to feel it. He needs to... He will not believe unless it's right in front of him. That, that strikes me less as doubt as more of a resolute uh, disbelief or, or unwillingness. Maybe he's yeah. the only person at this point in human history that's actually understood what the resurrection was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the only yeah. person since is Tom Wright, I believe, is the only other person that's ever understood it. No comment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it strikes me that He's got this impression of, oh, they probably saw a ghost. Or right, like, these right. guys are going crazy. There's something going on. They couldn't have seen physically Jesus. Because mm. um, he's wanting these physical, tangible proofs. Right. Of hands in his side. and So presumably that's what they've said to him. Is Yeah. We, yeah, we've seen actual Jesus. Yeah. And he's like, come off it. Yeah. I want to see actual Jesus then. Yeah, and maybe this is part of John's effort, John the Gospel writer, 
to to ensure that we are believing that this is a physical resurrection. Mm. Like there's no doubts on our end or in reading this that this is a physical material resurrection of Jesus yeah. in his body. And it and it says too that the marks are still on his hands as well and the the gash is still in his side. Mm. It says a uh, place my hand into his side. I don't know how we're exactly <laughs> supposed to read it. That that image, by the way, just viscerally freaks me out. Mm. Of like, I don't, no, I don't want to put my hand into your side. That's not... Yeah, what's the famous that, painting that portrays that where Jesus has an actual hole in his... It's some Renaissance oh, painting. Yeah. And Thomas is literally sticking his finger in this hole. It's, it's gross, and it's like <laughs> drastic. But I think it's conveying something uh, true in that. Yeah. I don't remember the name of the artist, but... Right. Yeah. But it's it's the body that was pierced. It's the body that had a gash cut into into the side, and that bears witness. I think another thing I love about the the Lord's response to this is I think it's easy to read this on the one hand as just the Lord rebukes Thomas, mm. um, but he actually doesn't. I mean, yes, there's there's the um, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed, but the Lord doesn't overlook Th- Thomas's demands mm. he actually honors them and that's the first thing he does yeah. he says peace to everybody yeah. and then he turns to thomas and says okay you you asked for it here you go that's a good point so verse 26 so, says jesus came stood among them and said peace be with you mm-hmm. and i don't have the original language in front of me but i'm guessing it's all of you yeah yeah and oh yeah yeah but he doesn't say you know get over it or right. just have more faith but he he takes thomas's demand, mm. request, need, whatever it is, and honors it. Right. And says, like, I, here, here, you, you asked for this. This is what you needed. And he See. meets, he meets him where he is. Right. He, he, he takes that need and that, that request. And he, he meets Thomas there and, and shows him himself. Yeah. In the way that Thomas needs to see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. It's, the timeline is kind of fun. When you mm. go back to it, you say, so Thomas was not there. So now we know Thomas is not there. I think in the passage before, we know how many are there, but not necessarily who's yeah. there. Judas not there. Thomas is not there. I mean, I just think, I think about things that I've missed, and it's so annoying when you miss, you know, you're at a party <laughs> or something, and someone does a really good joke, and you miss that because, you know, you're off somewhere. And how bad you feel or there's a really great concert that you always wanted to go to and you missed it or whatever like how bad that is um i went on a vacation around europe and there was a friend who had to stay at work and we called him every day from swimming pool and just um we would talk to him down snorkels and things like and just annoy him (laughs) and it was terrible and he said it was the worst in fact actually he said later on that it was the worst week of his life and that we'd driven him to the point of depression and, and we felt quite bad. Um, but this, Thomas, has, has missed the resurrected Jesus and for all he knows, that's it. Well, you know, obviously, did it really happen is a question, but maybe, maybe even in his own psyche, he's trying to persuade himself it didn't happen because if it did, he's just missed yeah. this amazing moment. And then it says eight days later. That's hilarious. That's a mm-hmm. long time, isn't it? It is a long time. When you've, when Jesus has died and there, then you've seen him resurrected, and then there's all these rumors floating around like he's come back, and mm. then you have to wait eight days, which I think 
in biblical terminology is a week because right. it's so it's the next Sunday and because Jewish uh, they didn't they didn't have a concept for zero I think about then so it counts the day of and the uh, day after okay so I think that makes sense previously it was Easter Sunday and then this is the next Sunday is what I've uh, heard some scholars say I like this I like having at live scholarship in the building <laughs> is this the is this the another reason for the third day the counting of Friday yeah, Saturday Sunday that's, that's the other reason yeah everything. okay well, that makes sense great that's helpful. That's really helpful. <laughs> it's like a daily experience in these corona times. Yeah, how about that? A, a nugget from Ben. Um, and uh, then he, so then you've got this, this physical experience, which is remarkable. I uh, noticed Thomas is with them this time. I wonder if he has duct taped himself to the others. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not going to miss out this time. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but then the doors were locked. So like, Again. 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 Yeah. Maybe they're hoping to see Jesus again, but they're locking the door. This is really funny. Yeah. Maybe they're like, okay, so John was standing here and Peter was wearing blue <laughs> and the door was locked and it was 72 <clears throat> degrees in this room. We've got to get it right. Because this is what churches do, isn't it? Yeah. It's really great spiritual experience in 1973. So we're going to have to make sure we all listen to Abba before we come to church. Otherwise it won't work. Hmm try to recreate the experience out of a, a memory of something God did. Yeah. How yeah. human is that? Yeah. Very. Yeah. We do that a lot. I mean, my guess is they're just afraid still. Yeah. But that's also human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd think if, if you've seen the risen Lord, that would alleviate some fear, potentially. Maybe they had <laughs> so much fear that half fear is still in a locked room. Yeah. Yeah. But but they're really in the same place doing the same things that they were doing a week ago. Mm. Even though they previously had this amazing experience of Christ appearing to them, saying peace twice, and then breathing on them the Holy Spirit and empowering them and then commissioning them to go out and do all these wild things. And we know in a few pages' time in Acts they're going to be doing wild things. Yeah. But, but I guess this, if this is one week later... Not a lot seems to have changed. Yeah. And, and yeah, in, in this, I mean, I think this is John, the gospel writer, is like the culmination of what he wants us to know about Jesus. And mm. what, what he, uh, I mean, the next few verses say, this is why, this was written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Mm. Like, this is what he's aiming for, that confession of my Lord and my God. That Thomas gets to like that's the pinnacle of who Jesus is as a pinnacle of recognizing his identity as God and John is trying to get all of us to that point you know all of us who are Thomases who mm. who desire proof who desire mm -hmm. uh, a tangible experience of Jesus uh, to bring us to the point of saying my Lord my God and confessing that's who Jesus is I find pretty pretty outstanding. Do you, do you do you think there's something there in saying both, Lord and God? Is there something going on there that's more than just Lord or God? Hmm. Do you have a thought? <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking. Um, it's making me it's making me think of of another of another bit where I think is it I can't remember where it is. 
but saying that even you know even the demons know who God is. Oh yeah. Yeah. But not but we only confess that Jesus is Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. So just knowing who yeah. knowing who God is, the fact that He is God, the fact that He exists, is actually not enough, and oh, it's okay. not it's not full hmm. belonging to to God. Like I can say that God exists and refuse to submit, refuse to receive His love, re- refuse to love Him back, even when I know the fact that every that all these things are true. This is brilliant. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> But for, for Thomas or any of us to say, yeah. you are God, but you are also my Lord. Yeah. It's like Thomas is all in. So a kind of um, an, an objective statement about who he is, but also a subjective statement of who Mine. he is to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. so in the in the Greek, and it might just be Greek, but um, it, it actually says the, the, the Lord of me and the God of me. And I guess yeah. that's just oh. how they wrote but um, if you were to say that in English, that's really interesting. The God of me, that's really different, right? So you know, uh-huh. uh, folks at home can only hear, but listen to this. That's my branded Christchurch mug. That's my mug, but it's not the mug of me. <laughs> like, and you know, so I'm I'm using that word possessively. That's my mug. It belongs to me. But the God of me, well, that's different. Yeah, I belong to Him. I don't know if. Yeah. yeah. Now I just don't know enough language to know whether that's. Um, uh, you know, I'm reading into Greek syntax something from English that blah blah, or whether it's a really good preaching point. But on top of that, then you're saying Lord and God amplify each other and present different facets of the same thing. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is going to be a really great sermon, but I'm going to have to footnote <laughs> it. <laughs> Definitely came up. Yeah. With well, it also reminds me of the beginning of the Gospel of John too that John is explicit from the very beginning of saying, this is who Jesus is, and it's taken the whole rest of the gospel for the people to recognize that. And this is that final recognition. So John starts the gospel, was in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and mm-hmm. the Word was God. Everything was created through Him, and all that. Uh, he goes on to prove the point that Jesus is God. And He was he took on flesh, He became incarnated and lived among us. Mm-hmm. And... And so we know that from the beginning of John's gospel, but he writes in such a way that the people around Jesus don't know that. But there's this kind of progressive revelation of who he is that culminates mm. here with, with Thomas. So this kind of high point. Yeah, I think so. Um, exclamation of who God is, who Jesus is. Um, I was reading that, that some of the cults, um, Jehovah's Witnesses, some of the cults have said, um, oh, well, what Thomas is doing here is he's basically blaspheming. This is an OMG moment. Um, <laughs> only it's not sissy blasphemy like we do. It's full. Yeah. It's, I mean, at least he's blasphemed properly. But he's just saying, oh, my God, I see it. You're, wow. And um, yeah. I, you, might, you might not be surprised to hear that I, I think they're wrong. <laughs> That's, that seems like a pretty uh, uh, outlandish way to read something that's pretty direct <laughs> like it's it, your work you're trying to jump through hoops to make the text support what you already believe well if that, i'd said if i'd said oh my god as a child my mum would have whacked me with a spoon or something <laughs> yeah and i just can't believe that the actual god would go like 
well done, Thomas. <laughs> Effectively, he says here, yeah. you know, you know, it's great. You believe that's wonderful. So yeah. Jesus doesn't treat it as a blasphemy. Yeah, he he treats this, and of course, if it was untrue, if it were untrue, you'd expect Jesus to correct him and say, yeah. "Well, don't get ahead of yourself here, Thomas. You know, I'll accept yeah. Lord, but not God." And he's acknowledging you have you have now believed. Yeah. Uh, and so he's saying this is the truth that you've grasped here. So this is a statement. It's an express statement to Jesus by Thomas. I think you are God. And Jesus saying in response to that, yeah. Yeah. You said it. You got it right. Yeah. Right. And there's, I think there's also an in, there's an invitation there in the blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Mm. Um, in that, you know, just because I haven't gotten the chance to hold Christ's hand and stick my hand mm. in his side, even though that sounds off-putting to me, that <laughs> I still have the gift of faith from the Lord, though, that my, uh, the door is just as open to me as it was to Thomas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm so reading this now in you know 2020 in in the world that we are I'm here celebrating with Thomas and celebrating that that also our God is a God who hears our needs and responds to our needs and gives signs our God is a is a sign making God mm. but I can I don't need that in order to have faith the the door is open to us whether we get a sign or don't get a sign. We don't have right. to wait until God shows up mm. in the locked room mm-hmm. to believe. Right. Um, if the Lord gives us that, that's great. If if I whipped my head over to the winged back chairs by the fireplace in front of me and Christ was there, I'd be thrilled. Mm. But I don't need to wait for that in order to confess my Lord and my God. Because blessed are those who right. have not seen and yet believed. Yeah. I'm glad it ends that way. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And, and to flip it on its head, I... One could imagine a situation where there's a load of people sitting in the room where we are right now, the parlour, Jesus sitting in the leather chair, and um, some folks not believing. Yeah. yeah. Coming up with reasons to explain it away. Yeah. Okay. And the end of Matthew, after the resurrection, it says, Jesus gathered them all there right before he ascended, and it says, some still doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no matter what, even if people see incontrovertible proof there are going to be people who doubt well I my my Old Testament readings recently have been uh, have been in uh, Exodus and then numbers mm-hmm. and that is the whole story of a lot of like those that's one of the story arcs of that section is that God was literally in front of the people of Israel in the desert in a pillar of fire or a pillar of smoke if you stepped into the holy place of the tabernacle, you died. Yeah. And yet the people still rebelled and still disbelieved. Mm-hmm. And when Moses was up on top of the mountain with God, in who had manifested as a big storm, and they were told not to touch the mountain, what did they do? They built, they made golden calves. It went like, <laughs> like you can see God. And he had yeah. just spoken to them. Like they'd he- actually heard his voice and yet not believed. Oh, yeah. So it's and they're so like our children. Like yeah, we just threw in the gold and yes. out came this cow. <laughs> like, yeah, brackets by yeah. itself. Yeah, so it's there's something about signs that matter to God. He's a yeah. revelatory God and he yeah. uses signs, but it's not just about signs. Like, well, if I see this, then I will believe. Mm. Christ speaks yeah. into that here and says, "Blessed are those who have who have not seen and yet believed." 
So which means we're blessed. Yeah. Praise you know, the Lord. We are. Yeah. Uh, that's the place to finish. You know, I, I can only imagine what it would be like to do a pandemic without a lively faith. Yeah. Um, and, and yet most people are doing a pandemic without a lively faith. I mean, perhaps this nudges people to ask questions. Yeah, and I think this idea, this culture we live in, we're seeing is believing, is starting <laughs> to be ravaged by something we can't see. Ooh. And that we're, our systems, our governments, our culture is being ripped down by a virus that cannot be seen. And it's kind of taken up some illusions of our culture and, and ripped them down and knocked them down a few pegs. Because like, I can't trust in our politics. I can't trust in the market. I can't trust in my comfort or entertainment. Um, what can I trust in? Yeah. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed, who can confess my Lord and my God to the risen Jesus. There it is. Whoop, there it is. <laughs> How long have no, you been I, waiting to uh, say that? You know, not the first time in my life I've heard that. Really? Honest. Is it not? Oh, there are so many jokes about my last name. Really? Yeah. And there's no jokes about Shuttleworth? Not yet. We'll work on that. There's plenty. For the next podcast. There's plenty. Terrible. <laughs> if you'd seen the things I'd received in the mail, my name has been mangled appallingly, but it's not going to be recorded for the people of God. All right. Thank you very much for listening to all 22 minutes and three, four, five seconds of this. This has been a podcast of Christchurch Fox Chapel. God bless. Bye.